What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Matthew Anthony Hawkins here with another Around Town and Chilliwack podcast episode. This episode features Tim McAlpine, local business owner, entrepreneur, and Donkey Kong Jr. master. If you haven't yet, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. That way you get every episode right when it's published. And make sure you go to aroundchilliwack.ca. There you'll be able to subscribe to our newsletter, find out what's going on around Chilliwack, find out what episodes are coming up, and what else is going on. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Matthew Anthony Hawkins here with special guest... Tim McAlpine. <laughs> You're looking for the cue, right? <laughs> I am. How's it going? Very good. Tim McAlpine. Longtime Chilliwack resident? Yes. Uh, 1986. That's... So 30 years. Wow. And uh, what do you do? I am the president and creative director of Currency Marketing, a Chilliwack-based marketing firm. We specialize in credit unions. Uh, so since 1986, how long have you been in business in Chilliwack? I started in 1990 um, in my kind of second year of university. I went to the University College at the time, the University College of the Fraser Valley, now UFV, um, and started doing kind of graphic design on the side as I was also working at a local sign company. And once I graduated, I was sort of in business. Okay. What did you take at uh, now UFV? It was a graphic design communications diploma program in, in Abbotsford. In Abbotsford. Yeah. And so what was going on? What was the, the uh, graphic design temperature at the time? What were you guys using and doing? Well, interestingly, it was completely non-computer. It was all hand, hand lettering, um, lots of paste up. Um, <laughs> Everything was by hand. And what was interesting, I worked at a sign company at the time, and it was just starting to get digitized. And they had a, I remember they brought in a 286 uh, that had Graphicad. It's like an AutoCAD derivation. Yeah. And it didn't even have a mouse. It had this little puck that you digitized <laughs> off of a tablet. Yeah. And so that's how I learned computers, kind of alongside going, going to school for graphic design. Right. Uh, so when you opened up your business, 1990, mm -hmm. what were you guys using then? Were, was it still, were you still doing things by hand and cut and paste or what was going on? No, I had, I bought a PC 386 long before I converted to Mac in my unwashed days. I was on a, a PC. <laughs> when you um, didn't know better, right? Yeah. And I remember it was like 10 grand for a, a box, a black and white monitor, um, didn't even have a scanner, had a laser printer, which was like $5,000 for a laser printer wow. to do 300 DPI crappy prints. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I did it out of my parents' basement. Wow. So when you started off, what was, what was your business called? What was, what were you running? It was McAlpine Graphic Communications. Wow. Um, and interestingly, I've changed the name, I think three or four times and then about five years later, it became McAlpine Design Group as I started to add people. And then design was too limiting. It became McAlpine Graphics. And then around 2000, um, really started to get the notion of specialization. And we had two natural specialties growing, credit unions or finance and tourism, totally non-related, yeah. but a whole bucket of clients in each. So we 
renamed the firm Currency Passport Marketing and ran two divisions, Currency Marketing and Passport Marketing. Yeah, and since then, what have you guys have become? A 100% credit union, and that was always kind of the path, thinking that one of these will emerge. Uh, I've always joked that credit unions have a vault, and they pay their bills. It's also something I believe in, um, kind of a more personal consumer finance option. Yeah. It's not ruled by shareholders and stockholders and so forth. Um, so knowing you and I, we've worked together for a while, knowing each other for a while. Um, I've seen firsthand your passion for credit unions. But one thing that I don't necessarily know is where did that passion develop from? Like you, you have a very heartfelt passion for financial education through credit unions, not just through any financial institution. It's through credit unions. Why? Well, it's kind of interesting. My parents both worked for a big Canadian bank. Mm-hmm. Um, started with a C, ends with a C. I, I won't name them. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a couple of initials in between, right? Yeah, and, and it's through that that I know that bankers inherently aren't evil. Um, mm-hmm. My parents are good people, and so are most bankers, right? But it's the business model of a financial institution, a bank, where there's three people in the room. There's you as a customer, there's the bank itself, and there's the shareholder. And everything has to be done to maximize the value for the shareholder. And that comes off the back of the customers. And and people just don't realize that. With the credit union, it is only two people in the room. It's the member and the institution. And the members own the institution. So therefore, it's in their imperative to offer the best possible rates, the best possible advice. They're, cons- they're typically... Um, community-based and so all decisions are local uh, and and so I didn't necessarily know that one of our first big clients was a credit union and then it just kind of led to one one thing after another and so but what also really emerged was just the absolute lack of knowledge by young people right and and as things get more and more expensive and housing gets more and more out of reach and people get more and more into debt and start using payday lenders and high-risk credit cards. And and so that's been something that's just kind of, it certainly wasn't what I was trained in or even where we set out to build the business in, but kind of fell into it and really love it. Yeah. So now with currency marketing, um, you're 100% working with credit unions. What do you guys, what do you guys have going on? What are you doing? Um, so we are 100% credit unions, but 90% U.S., so we're the recipients of a really great exchange rate right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the right end of it. Yeah, but that more from typically in a graphic design business or any kind of service business, you sell hours, right? You you do consulting, you do logos, websites, whatever it is, and you trade your expertise on an hourly basis. And And more and more as I've gotten into business now 26 years, I've tried to productize as much as possible and have had different iterations of that. And our latest iteration is called It's a Money Thing. And it's um, clever financial education content, essentially. And we do a different topic every month. And it includes an animated video, um, an infographic presentation, handouts, social media graphics. 
that we customize with Credit Union's logos, we deliver that, and then they use it in their own channels. And so it's allowed us to put all of our energy into the creation of something that we own, all of the intellectual property, all of the research, all of the the assets, and Credit Union's license. And so it's been really cool to launch that. It's been just about two years, and we're at 77 credit unions that are licensing this content and having a, a great impact with it. And then how many episodes, how many packs have you created so far? We are right in the middle of our 21st content pack. And a, and the topic could be something like, like we just finished demystifying mortgages. Uh, and it can be foiling identity theft or credit scores um, explained, right? Just there's so many different topics that we've uncovered that we can cover. Yeah. So you were talking about um, moving away from billable hours. Yeah. How how did that come about? And then you, another word you keyed in on was specialization. Mm-hmm. So how has this evolved in your company? I think creatives or creative companies in general are led by people that suffer from entrepreneurial ADD. They're just all over the map and and have a real problem saying no to things. And over the years, I've found, if I look back, that that there's been really five versions of my company. And I think of it like software. Every time you move to a new version, it's like, what do we need to add to be where we want to be? What what do we need to leave behind? And and if you keep just adding and not taking those things away, you kind of end up with Microsoft Word, right? That's just this bloated piece of (laughs) software with so many menus and... But so we've been very conscious about every five years trying to think, okay, how do we go to the, the next thing? And and it's been really conscious. And so over that, I've also been fascinated by kind of Silicon Valley culture and software as a service and how do you build something once and sell it multiple times and tried to apply that to marketing. Um, our last big product that we did was called Young and Free, which we're still doing now, but it was looking for a young um, brand ambassador, essentially, for credit unions to represent them in the young well, adult. you guys came up with your own name, though, through Young and Free. Yeah, we call them Young and Free Spokesters, these young people that that are hired through an American Idol-style contest where they submit a video application, and they really become this voice for the credit union and had tremendous success with that. And that was our first kind of jump into trying to productize something and license it. And so we did that with uh, in two Canadian provinces and 11 U.S. states and have had 38 of these young spokesters. But it's it's high budget. It's a lot of um, management. And, it's, and, and so in the next iteration, we wanted to build something that was a bit more hands-off and more scalable. Yeah, which you've done. Which yeah. It's a money thing. Yeah. Uh, so basically, every month you're delivering these content packs mm-hmm. to 77 different credit unions. Yeah, and our goal for the end of this year is 100, and next year to get to 150, and it's and it's just really scalable. So how do you go from where you started? You're kind of looking at credit unions and tourism. How did how have you progressed to the point where you are now? Like how have you scaled it to? How do you work from something small and then build, make it bigger and bigger? Well, it's not necessarily about making it bigger and bigger for bigger sake. Like, for example, again, thinking back to those iterations, about 10 years ago, we were 15 people on staff, and it grew to way bigger than I enjoyed 
and could manage. I became a manager and I'm more of a creative person, so I wanted to get back to that. We are now seven people, but but I feel more put together, more profitable, more successful than ever. So it's not necessarily about how many people you've got working for you or even how what's your top line sales, all of that. Um, but it's funny when you when you think of specialization back to that whole creative ADD thing, that is the most limiting factor that you ever put on a creative, right? Yeah. Is we're going to do this and we're going to only do this. But it's interesting when you go through that little pinhole or small door, it actually opens up an enormous world. And so when I look at the credit union world, not necessarily the most sexy choice, but there are about 6,800 credit unions in the U.S. There's 350 in Canada. That's a huge market, yeah. but it's defined, right? And so how do you... You now have, you can build mailing lists, you can build targets, you can, you can start to think, okay, well, what could I write in magazines that are in this, in, in this um, venue? Can I write a blog that's targeted to this? Can I do a, we also do an annual conference that's targeted to this group. And, and so by really putting a defined box around who we're going after, it's kind of exploded our world. Okay, so let's take a shift here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is pretty, I'm, worried, I'm worried about our audience getting a little yeah, bored about that's some what of this. I'm thinking. I'm thinking but, I'm here and I've listened to other podcasts you've done. And by this point, you guys are on your second or third beer. Like, what's going no, on? We've only had uh, I've only had two guests with beers. On, okay. Uh, so Darren Blakeborough and Paul Henderson. Fair uh, enough. So and I, you're not a beer drinker. New Orleans, you and I, we sat down and had a beer. Yeah, and that was uh, that was I think one of two beers you and I have uh, enjoyed I, together. I try. I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of drinks do you like, though, Tim? Uh, I'm more of a girl drink drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you like a, a strawberry daiquiri or yeah, something a little something sweeter? Like that. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Aside from work with Currency and Chilliwack, what else are you a part of in town? Um, I'm on a couple boards. I'm I'm on the SEPCO, Chilliwack Economic Partners Corporation Board of Directors. Been on, this is my third year, really enjoying that. Uh, it's neat to be involved in something that has so much impact and you can really see visibly what SEPCO has been involved in. It's a really interesting model in that most cities, the Economic Development Department sits within City Hall and is maybe one or two people and it's very reactionary. Well, I'm thinking 18, 19 years ago is when SEPCO formed, and it's this quasi-public-private organization that was that's really outside of the city. There is some city funding, but it's pretty much self-funded now, and it has the ability to do things that a city can't. Um, it can buy and sell property. It can facilitate. It's really a sales organization. If anybody's looking at Chilliwack, whether it's big or small, they can come to this organization and it's just super proactive. And so if you look around the impact of what SEPCO's done, it's sort of under the radar. It doesn't have a lot of local publicity around it, but uh, it's been tremendous. And so to be involved in that at the early stages and kind of know what's coming is is really cool. Um, I know sometimes SEPCO can get a lot of uh, negative flack because people think it's... uh, money that city hall is just kind of throwing over there and well we'll just get sepco to deal with it like almost really ignorant questions not willing to look into the actual details of of what goes on there so 
how does SEPCO work? Like you mentioned a little bit in terms of like there is some city funding and there is they are connected with City Hall. Mm-hmm. So what without getting too overly detailed or boring, like it it's legit, right? Like oh, yeah. how are you guys are how do you guys work? Like how do things happen? There's so many different partnerships with um, First Nations, with the university. Like if you look at what's happened with Canada Education Park and Garrison Crossing and, and Canada Lands Corporation and the transfer of UFV from downtown to that parcel of land, the RCMP, all of that has been behind the scenes work done by SEPCO and specifically the former CEO, John Jansen, who's now working as a consultant with the organization. And it's tremendous and it and it is transparent if you want information about it we'll just go to the city and 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 it's available right so but a lot of it if if a big company say cal tire is looking at looking at coming to a city they're shopping around they're going to go to a variety of different industrial lands areas and say what can you do for me and so over and over again those big companies whether it's langley concrete and some big anchor companies that have come oh, to Chilliwack. Sure. Like you drive been... past these places on the highway, mm-hmm. and I don't think people realize just like Ritchie Brothers yeah. and Langley Concrete right along. There's two side by mm-hmm. side, um, and then Cal Tire too, another huge yeah. one. Just the amount of work that's gone into get them into Chilliwack. Yeah, but then what they're bringing to our local economy too. Like I don't think people right realize. Yeah, absolutely, and and so in those cases, those firms will be saying we've outgrown where we are we need to go somewhere and so they're shopping around and and by having this external body that can really help facilitate that uh, it's been tremendous and it's also helped a lot of companies locally that say are working out of a small location and then they need a a larger location and so it's it's really nimble and it's awesome yeah no it's and there's always exciting stuff on the horizon that uh I know is hush hush and you guys have keeps <laughs> behind uh, boardroom doors and um, so the outlook for Chilliwack what's it what are we looking at Chilliwack will grow whether we want it to or not uh, and so what I I like about this city is just how planned and organized it's been I think the mayor and council are extremely passionate I like to think of Chilliwack as a, an island unto itself that drive between Abbotsford and Chilliwack is significant and it and it puts it into its own community right we're not much of a bedroom community people live and work here for the most part and so um, that growth I think we're feeling some uncomfortable growing pains right now with the with the influx of of people selling homes at high prices and it's driving our prices up so I don't know it's we're running out of industrial land um, and it's going to be a real fast growth over the next next decade. Yeah. Um, so you said that uh, Chilliwack's going to grow regardless. Like it's yeah, people are going to come here, and so it's a matter of of being proactive and and if you look at what we have here from all of the facilities, the multiple recreation opportunities, the Prospera Center, and um, cultural center on and on other cities don't have this of similar size it's yeah. been so i'm a, a 
big fan of the city council and the mayor and, and what they've done. Yeah, well, and you've got to see firsthand what's what's going on, and there's a lot that people just don't know or see, right? That uh, mm-hmm. I think people need to do a little bit of uh, elbow, put a little elbow grease into it, and do some research. And yeah, and there's so many community groups. There's a very active chamber of commerce. From a business standpoint, there's multiple things to get involved in. A sub committee of SEPCO is the Chilliwack. Uh, creative Commission. You, which, you were going to say Film Commission, weren't you? I was. <laughs> up until about eight months ago, we were known as the Chilliwack Film Commission, and, and part of my role on SEPCO is to be the liaison to that committee. And again, it's a group of about eight or ten really passionate people in the creative arts industries, whether it's film or like yourself, you're on that board. and um, Yeah, it's just... <laughs> There's so many interesting groups in Chilliwack. And it, it, the name changed from Film Commission to Creative Commission, rightfully so, because it's expanded beyond that now with what's available in Chilliwack. Yeah, a lot of it, up until that point, the committee is probably 15 years old. It was to nurture film activity in the Chilliwack area, to kind of create a relationship with Hollywood North. And if people are looking for interesting locales, that we would have a database of of photos and have information around that and then really help facilitate on the ground the producers that would be doing this film work and over the last couple of years it really started to say could we broaden the mandate of that committee and what would that look like and so things like digital interactive arts app development um, other creative industries as well trying to because there's a real underground economic impact of some of these companies like my firm we're small i mean six seven people um but each of them are are have families have homes contribute uh and there are many pockets like that of of a lot of companies that are exporting creative services yeah so aside from currency marketing uh i feel like we need to talk about this because it's very much a part of who you are now and what you're you're offering as a business um what else do you have going on at currency marketing yeah i mentioned that at one point we were 15 people and had a facility to fit that many and over the years have kind of toned that down and and a lot of remote work right now and so we've got this six thousand square foot facility that i actually recently bought within the last year and how long have you been in that facility now uh 15 years wow i finally worked my um my landlord's over <laughs> it was this circular conversation uh, i want to buy this well we don't want to we don't want to sell it to you you're such a good tenant why would we sell well i said when my lease comes up i'm going to leave because i don't need all this space well why would you leave because you're not going to sell <laughs> <laughs> and finally finally worked them over um it was a couple older brothers from langley actually that owned the facility um and we decided, well, we'll move our staff upstairs and let's convert the base into a co-work space. And co-work is a new kind of uh, working model that's really, in larger urban centers, there's a lot of co-working spaces, meaning that if you are camped out at the, um, the coffee shop with your laptop, you might overstay your welcome at some point or perhaps you're working from home and you've had too many conversations with your cat <laughs> <laughs> and you want some you want a sense of working with others 
uh, but you're an independent freelancer or maybe a team of one or two, this is an ideal place for that. And so we have a variety of different options. Hot desks are literally a, a desk that you just throw your computer on and use for the day. Uh, semi-private areas and then private offices. And so we've kind of quietly launched that at the beginning of the year and are beginning to get some members of that. And it's a, a month-to-month. There's no long-term lease for these folks. And I wanted to, again, kind of unearth these underground creatives and, and give them a place. So where where did the inspiration for this come from? Um, I've been looking at co-working spaces. I do a lot of travel and and I've been seeing them pop up here and there and kind of touring them and and thought, hmm, I've got this extra space rather than subletting it and kind of creating a separate entry and just having one tenant, uh, could I do something that was more creative, really? Yeah. Uh, is that you or me? I think that's me. Somebody's trying to get a hold of me. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, so so it's called Cowork Chilliwack, yep. which uh, you guys are also a sponsor of Around Town in Chilliwack, so thank you. You're welcome. So coworkchilliwack.com if you're, you want to check and, it out, and lots of pictures and floor plans, and if you want a tour, just let us know. Yeah, uh, and you guys recently had a grand opening party. We did. How'd that go? It went really well. Uh, it was, I guess, a couple Tuesdays ago, and had about 40-plus people come mayor was there um we had a a singer songwriter doing some performance we had a couple live artists painting and and just generally wanted to get the word out and, and a lot of people came and since then there's been a lot of inquiries yeah good and so right now what do you who do you have in there for tenants you have a so in our yeah in our private offices we've got a couple so far brian morris from Rippin creative he's our first member and he's got a local web development firm and uh, Lisa Kalinsky from Best, Best Version Media Canada. She does a publication called In Garrison Crossing for the residents there and also has one in the Abbotsford area and so she's got another private office and we've got a couple other folks that are trying out the hot desk and yeah we're hoping I think ideal would be about 10 people. Yeah and then what do you have for for facilities within the co-work Chilliwack space? So as a member, you have full access to everything, including a, a shared kitchen. There's a couple boardrooms. And we have a really cool, we used to have a full-time photographer at one point. And so we've got this photography and video studio that's kind of used here and there. Uh, but we converted it into a little lecture theater as well. And so we've had some events going on, um, startup demo. There's going to be a real estate uh, symposium going on there somebody doing a reiki um <laughs> class and, yeah. and so yeah it's it's available for rent you don't have to be a member of the facility as well so all of that info is on com as well yeah and you have a great little kitchen that you uh converted out of a storage room yeah what i realized when i because we've been there for 15 years i had accumulated so much junk and i didn't as a closet hoarder actually yeah and took out bags and bags and truckloads of just junk, How did that feel, junk. like moving from, like you had to move from closet hoarder to just dealing with your your problem? It was, it was liberating, actually. Yeah. I've been behind a computer screen for so long, it was nice to like just start like ripping stuff down and doing a bit of reno and, and just 
relentlessly, okay, I discovered we had done a promo item probably 12 years ago of juggling balls. And so I found, okay, I, I'm keeping 300 juggling balls. Why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Just a, a lot of questions like that. So you uh, get rid of the junk and now you have a kitchen. Yep. And you've got a great little theater auditorium space. And then there's a boardroom as well. Yeah, we've got two boardrooms and members have access to all of this. And then if community groups want to rent them, they can as well. Great. So there you go. If you're looking for a space, just temporary and yeah. good rate, then co-work Chilliwack. Perfect. Good stuff. Um, okay. So you are a junkie for entrepreneurship. I am. You eat it up. I've seen it firsthand. Um, looking at our kids, you and I, we have kids around the same age. Um, what's the future looking like for them? Like we're, we're looking like 10 years from now, our kids are going to be going either into school or business. Um, what's it going to look like? I think there's, it's really positive, but also really scary. Um, the idea of someone having a job for a 25 year span, I don't think will really exist in the future. One of the things that really stuck with me and I think is more true now than ever so I took the University College of the Fraser Valley graphic design course. And in my second year, getting ready to graduate, and I talked to one of my professors. And I say, so where should I go? Where should I get a job? And in broken English, he says, there are no jobs for graphic designers. And I'm like, why have I dedicated money to and time to learning this craft if there's nothing? And he said, ah you have to create your own job. <laughs> and it was this thing that really stuck with me in that if we think that there's going to be just this path that we get on and we get a paycheck, I don't think that's going to be the way. And so what the internet and just this ability to create has given us is just a pathway to make our own way, which is scary, right? Because it's not, it's not spelled out. And so one of the things that I think that I want to instill in my kids is creativity. Um, and one of the troubling things I see is I came from an era where computers were new, where you could kind of pull them apart and put in a new hard drive and, and a new power supply and hook this up. And, and so now we have these hermetically sealed devices that that all the like there's no tearing it apart anymore and so yeah. they they say so does that change your your almost undying love for apple because apple is well known for let's lock and load it and um because <laughs> i agree with you like i've i've changed my own graphic cards i've like mm -hmm. had to swap out power supplies and and i'm a huge apple fan just like you Mm -hmm. But the fact, like, once that iPhone battery decides it's done, for the most part, like, that's it. Like, you're, yeah. you got to buy a new iPhone. Yeah, they, they say, oh, kids are so tech savvy these days. And they're not. They really are not. They're tech dependent, but they are less and less aware of how it actually works, right? And even with, as we move to things like iOS and Android, there, there's no file system, right? It's just, I magically save my stuff and it's magically there. And just 
that underlying thing. And so I think the more technical side of computing, I really want to encourage my kids to figure it out, right? And be creators rather than just consumers. And and so my son's in middle school and, and takes a computer class and I ask, well, what did you learn? And we learned PowerPoint. And that's a little disconcerting in that you didn't really learn computers, right? And yeah. so so that you've got to really you learned do. a crappy presentation program. That's what you just learned. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so then the future for them, what do we, what, what do you want to do? You, you, you talk about getting your kids to be creative, but where, where else do you want to push them in order to follow in your footsteps? The, you know, make, make your own job. Yeah. Um, my son's 12 right and so that's coming pretty fast and you have to start to question well what is post education post-secondary education look like is it worth that investment can you self-direct yourself and i think over the next 10 15 years that education world is going to explode and so our kids will be going right into that and what does that look like i don't have the answers but i i am hopeful and excited by the future i think the more that you can learn on your own, the more kind of lifetime learning, discovery, curiosity, all of that. Uh, if you can instill that in your kids and not just instill that they have to follow the rules and and do what you're told. Well, I think you have to break some of the rules and hack your way through life. Nice. There you go. Good quote from Tim McAlpine right there. <laughs> so being a, a junkie for an entrepreneurship um, podcasts, speakers you go to a lot of conferences um you read and listen to a lot of books what what of those things what sticks out for you what are ones that you would recommend to people um my modern hero right now is elon musk yeah. uh we are the same age and when i look at him i i see complete failure in myself <laughs> <laughs> but just the things that that he is tackling. If you're not familiar with Elon Musk, he was one of the original pay PayPal founders, uh, went on to become the Tesla CEO, the electric car company, and also SpaceX uh, rocket company. And so all of these things are, are earth-changing technologies, and just his ability to see the future and execute is unbelievable. So anything you can consume around Elon Musk would be a good thing. Um, I've made it a habit. I've been five times now to South by Southwest, which is a interactive festival in Austin, Texas in March. And it's ridiculous. Uh, about 35,000 people go to the interactive portion. There's a music and film festival as well. So there's about 80 or 90,000 people on the ground. Wow. And it's, if you want to see what the future is going to be, this is where you go. It's just amazing. So of going to five times now mm -hmm. who who would you put up there for your top three presenters that you your so, keynotes so i was in the room with barack obama this year yeah uh, that was amazing elon musk was another one um my third seth rogan sausage <laughs> <laughs> what's that new movie that he's got coming out Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a, pr a private screening of the most disturbing film I've ever seen. Yeah. That was uh, But that's what's hilarious. so cool about this. Like, yeah. okay, so you, in one, one week, you got to sit in a room with 
the president of the United States and listen to him speak. And then you go right over to <laughs> Seth Rogen. Yeah. And his <laughs> what's going to be like a record setting movie for one thing or another with this animated adult film. Well, ad- not adult film, but animated, very R rated movie. Yeah. Um, how crazy is that? Like it's it is amazing. It's it's really this confluence of culture, technology, uh, politics, future. It's like a big crystal ball with with a bunch of crazy uh, like Twitter launch there, Foursquare launch there. A lot of internet startups are there. It's just it's ridiculous, but it's amazing. So aside from that, um, Elon Musk, great guy to follow and eat up and then south by southwest for a conference uh, books what else what what would you recommend what have you gone through lately um i'm a big audiobook listener i've been on a podcast ben more so than yeah than audiobooks recently i'm not sure why okay so uh, podcast what do you i recommend? like the stuff being created by gimlet media startup podcast is amazing reply all uh the mystery show um the stuff they're doing is really cool. I have some long standbys like the Twit Network, Technology Network with MacBook, Mac Break Weekly, um, Twit This Week in Tech. I have a real fascination with technology and kind of startup Silicon Valley culture. And so I've tried to apply that learning to my business. Mm-hmm. And I found that really helpful. So what, what lessons would you say you've learned from applying all of that knowledge? Um, experiment, try things, constantly reinvent, think about how you can automate a lot of your business, how you can package what you're doing, sell it multiple times over. Um, This idea of an MVP, a minimal viable product, if you have a concept, rather than fully build out what you're doing, test it, test it with a landing page and and a form to see is there any interest out there. Just the whole ability to do, to cultivate a, a mailing list, a social media following, and then and then use that for sales, but also for providing information and learning has been just tremendous. And that's that's fundamentally changed in the last decade. Yeah, for sure. Even just hearing that, uh, I I go back to thinking about our kids as they they grow up and get ready to head out on their own again a decade, which is just seems like it's gone way too fast um they that's what i see they have to do like consume like find knowledge it's easily accessible and then just start applying it Mm -hmm. because so many people just don't apply it yeah and i think there's a like the line between creation and consumption i would encourage my kids and everybody to be more on the creative side not just be zombies looking at the screen and consuming but actually creating stuff. I think it's the way you learn. It's the way you thrive. Yeah. Good stuff. So bringing it back locally, what if someone's looking to want to start up a business in Chilliwack, what what would you have to say to them? What would you recommend? What kind of business? Like just, just business. Just the business. So there's the, it's almost twofold to this question. There's the local side of it. Mm-hmm. What what does our, our local market look like and offer for starting up a business? And then the other side of just the raw entrepreneurship. Um, 
what should they be looking at to start up for a business like you know we don't need another hairdresser or another sushi shop in town right but um if there's a an area of business that they should be looking at getting into how about a hairdresser sushi shop like just mash it all up (laughs) um i think that we're in a time where you don't need to quit your job lease a property do all your improvements and then hang up a, a sign in the window and hope that people come if you are any bit entrepreneurial and you you have a day-to-day job and you have expenses start something on the side and pursue your passion whatever that is and see how you can make money at it confirm that there's actually a, a market for it and then kind of slowly go into it i think you don't need to raise capital and and take out a bank loan and all of these things you can start something on the side uh, whether it's a service or or your own product offering and and think about your market not just as Chilliwack but as as the internet right you, you see the crowdfunding phenomenon with Kickstarter and Indiegogo and and if you have the notion for something you can sell it online yeah and there's a lot of do-it-yourself websites um, with like e-commerce capability. I'm a big fan of Squarespace. Uh, I think I turned Matt Hawkins onto that at one point. And, Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just you can kind of duct tape all this stuff together, and you don't need to perfect it before you go into business. Yeah. You don't need that. Uh, we're open for business sign out mm-hmm. on the front window pane. And that's right. Yeah. Uh, if you are looking for that, uh, Chilliwack has a little bit of uh, commercial space available. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so I think from just the the local Chilliwack community, uh, the Chilliwack Chamber of Commerce, if that's your thing, is, is definitely pretty vibrant. The Chilliwack Creative Commission, we're trying to unearth this uh, underground economy. And so a lot of mentorship, I think, and advice you could get from some people that have done it. SEPCO, um, if you're looking for perhaps expanding your business or looking for new opportunities that's available to you there's there's a real vibrant kind of helping community rotary is another huge thing in chilliwack Um, a very vibrant business community and like i said because we're not kind of flowing just into abbotsford langley surrey vancouver we're our own thing Mm -hmm. it seems to be that island of chilliwack kind of supports itself and I would say people are proud of it too. The fact that we're kind of a standalone, we're not dependent on the Fraser Valley to grow Mm -hmm. and expand and yeah, yeah. for sure. So back in your, like in your teen years, you were uh, a bit of a a champion at a few things, weren't you? So my first business was the BMX express freestyle trick team started when I was 13 years old. We lived in Penticton at the time we moved here when I was 16. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty much unemployable. I've only had two paying jobs, one at McDonald's and one at a sign company. And both I left for entrepreneurial pursuits. <laughs> so in, in, so we had an opportunity, myself and my two founders of the BMX Express Freestyle Trick Team, to, to do a show at the uh, Cherry Lane Mall in Penticton. 200 bucks. That's a big big gig it was 200 bucks for 13 year olds split three ways 66 bucks each i had a part-time job at mcdonald's as a fry guy uh, and occasionally they would let me make um 
uh, ice cream cones, but I was not going anywhere near the grill, apparently. <laughs> and I was making $2.35 an hour. And I had a Saturday shift, and I asked my manager, can I get that off? I've got this opportunity for this uh, this show. And it's been a long time, so I've probably blown it up in my mind, but I, I remember just taking that paper hat off my head and ripping it up and just saying, I'm out of here. They, they I, wouldn't give you the afternoon off? No. Wow, you must have been an important fry guy. <laughs> or he was a, a <laughs> self-important... <laughs> Can I say douchebag on your podcast? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Totally welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably the more the way it played out is I just didn't show up on Saturday <laughs> uh, and, and never looked back. And so I found the same thing when I was starting my my own business years later that I was uh, just sort of marched that way. And so, yeah, growing up, BMX, freestyle like, was my life. Yeah. And that morphed into... So what did that involve? Like out uh, on a dirt track or? No. Well, I started doing BMX racing and, and that's on a dirt track, but but freestyle is is on concrete on and the bike's a little different. It has yeah. smooth tires, pegs, all of that stuff. It's still I mean it's still really popular these days, but back in the day it was hugely popular and we we kind of have it a love relationship love hate relationship with the local skateboarders we would use the same ramps and and stuff but uh so was your favorite movie as a 13 year old rad that was pretty cool yeah yeah <laughs> if you've that, never the, watched rad just look up the trailer on youtube those were all of my like i used to get um oh what was it bmx plus um Freestyling, those were my two magazines, and so all of those guys were the stunt people in Rad. Yeah, Ron Wilkerson and um, Eddie Fiola. Yeah, those were my heroes. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So aside from BMX, what else? What other skills outside of uh, work did you have? I. It's funny because I've got two kids and a lot of things stopped once those two kids came along and so I used to golf at least once a week um, and that's maybe once or twice a year now yeah but golf was a huge passion of mine um, skiing grew up skiing and and we've recently got back into it with a as a family and been going to hemlock and we got a season pass that's for awesome. the upcoming year um, come on we I we finally saw this happen in uh, in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, so that was more of like PTSD. I think I had blocked that part of my adolescence out. But we went to a like an adult arcade, and I spotted Donkey Kong Junior. That's my game. Tucked away in the corner, and, and it all dad. came back to me. And so I loaded. Well, not very many quarters because I got some pretty long games going there <laughs> and just uh, got the high score and the second high score and the third high score. And uh, yeah, I remembered all the patterns and the, the levels. So yeah, there's a few games that are probably locked away like that. I'm not a huge gamer now. My my son is. But uh, so what other games then did you play? Uh, um, these are and this isn't like console gaming. This is arcade gaming. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Donkey Kong Jr. was my thing, uh, Joust, um, Stargate, Defender. My brother, older brother, actually held the Guinness World Records for Stargate Defender. Really? With a buddy of his. They played, I think, for five or six days. Straight, like just Straight, back yeah. and forth. Mm -hmm. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So were they pumping quarters in for that whole time, or did they get free play? No, that's on one quarter. That's on one quarter. Yeah. Wow. No, it's not like today when you when you die and you just hit continue. No, it was just continually going. Like just... yeah, if you if you're dead, you're, the game's over. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do so? Do they still hold the record? No, it it I think lasted for half a year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Short-lived record. Yeah. But still pretty awesome. So for you, future in Chilliwack, you're gonna stick around. Yeah, we're we're lifers. My wife is um, a school counselor. Has been with this Chilliwack school district going on 20 years probably. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're both lifers here. I think. Uh, and can I ask why Chilliwack? Why like you're not necessarily from Chilliwack, but as I mentioned, my mom and dad were bankers, and my dad got transferred here. And it was his last stay, or his last job before he retired as a, as a CIBC bank manager of the downtown branch. And, I mean, I was 16 at the time and ended up here. And we came from Penticton. And, and in hindsight, I think it's it offered so many opportunities. It's close enough to Vancouver. Uh, I was able to go to the university here. I uh, was able to start my business here. And... It's close enough to everything, but far enough away, and that's what I like. I like the accessibility to the airport and the border, and um, but it also has kind of everything you need. And, and from a family perspective, it's got everything. Good stuff. All right, Tim. Well, thanks so much for uh, sitting down and chatting. And well, thank you. <laughs>